You are now listening to The Last Day's Return of the Historic Faith with your host, Pastor Jeremy Anderson and Brother Matthew Marcel. This podcast is for the kingdom Christian in the end times. As aliens in a foreign land and ambassadors of our king, we proudly fly the flag with the cross as we sing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. sisters and welcome to this special live stream edition of return of the historic faith i am your host pastor jeremy anderson and today i have a special co-host sitting in with me my beautiful wife brianna brother matthew uh of course was not able to be here with me today but 
he is going to be doing several episodes with me in this series that we're doing on the Antichrist spirit and we are going to be continuing I don't know if you have heard the first episode that I did in this series on the Antichrist spirit but it's up on the podcast right now that you can find on Spotify Um, you really find on pretty much any podcatcher there is just go to your Favorite podcatcher, type in Return of the Historic Faith. And yesterday was the first episode on this Antichrist spirit that is found in Dominionism. Now, I worded it a little differently in the title of yesterday's program, and that's because dominionist theology is found in all different kinds of denominations and churches and groups but there is a specific group right now that is pushing this dominionist agenda hard and what people don't understand that I need to make sure I get across more than anything today is that the Satan doesn't just come out and scream I'm the devil (laughs) you know the Bible tells us that he presents himself as an angel of light and so it is the the things that sound the most like the truth, the things that sound right to our ears that he uses the most and that are his best tools in the war that we are in. And brothers and sisters, make no mistake, we are in a war. We are in a war. It's just not the kind of war that the dominionists are claiming. They use all the right words um, and, and I, I want to go ahead and get this out of the way I forgot to let you know that the group I'm talking about is this and I'm sure if you are a believer and you go to church or you don't go to church it really doesn't matter chances are you've heard of this movement Reawaken America it's the Reawaken America movement and if you're seeing this for the first time, you're not a regular viewer or listener of Return of the Historic Fate, The Remnant Report, Deception Report, any of Next Chapter Radio Network or Kingdom Productions um, programs, then you may be hearing that and saying, wait a minute, what's wrong with the Reawaken America movement I don't understand are are you crazy but friends like I said we're going to look at some things today we're going to hear some things today we're going to read some things today that will show you the lie that's there and the subtlety of it 
and hey, brother Jeremy Stone, hello. So glad to have you, my friend. Jeremy says he just saw Mark Sutherland, which I wouldn't have normally called someone's name out on the program like this, but since it's in the comments, people can see it anyway. Um, post something about the American Renewal Project. I, I don't know much about the American Renewal Project, but if it's a part of the Reawaken America group or anything like that, you know, the whole Make America Great Again, it, it's the same group rebranded by a different name. And this time, see, uh, uh, Clark, Something is his first name. Uh, we're going to be looking at it. I, I even preached about this Sunday. Um, th this is how important it is. I was up all night Saturday night looking into it, and <laughs> it is truly diabolical. But they have a front runner now that has, he doesn't have Trump money, but he's got enough money to where he can say, name your price. And he said it numerous times as you're going to hear in just a few minutes unfortunately I had two videos I wanted to play for you all and I guess I still could play um, to both of them but I it would I don't have them both uh, queued up in in my feed to, to show you and we were supposed to go live at 12.30 and ended up not being able to go live until 1 o'clock because the uh, videos that I was going to show you were taking a long time downloading and they never downloaded. I, I knew something was wrong. They still haven't downloaded. So I'm going to show, I have one of them that I'm going to show you and the other one I'm just going to let you hear the audio because it's, the audio is all that matters in that one. It's just people sitting there talking. You know, it's it's like a roundtable discussion type thing. So the audio will be fine for that one, but the other video from Sound Fake Channel. I don't. I, if any of you guys are familiar with Brother David Berceau from, uh, oh my mind just drew a complete blank. Uh, uh, David Berceau sees this, I apologize. Um, Scroll Publishing. If um, anybody uh, is familiar with Brother David Berceau from Scroll Publishing or you're familiar with the Sound Faith Channel or Anabaptist Perspectives or the historicfaith.com or Sattler College, any of the numerous... Um, kingdom Christian ministries that they're involved in. I'm going to be showing you a video today. That is the one video that I am going to show you, but I'm going to have to do it a little differently because it wouldn't download. Um, I'm going to have to just share my screen and share it that way, but that's okay. We'll get it done. Um, it'll be not quite as organized, but we... Uh, we're going to go with it anyway. Uh, we got both Marys here. Good to see you. Love to have each and every one of our brothers and sisters from Kingdom Christian Assembly here with us. All of the viewers and listeners from 
The Remnant Report, and Return of the Historic Faith, uh, the viewers from The Deception Report, even though The Deception Report nor The Remnant Report is uh, there anymore. You know, we don't do new programs, new live streams of either one, but all of the the uh, episodes are still there in the archives for anyone who hasn't seen them to see them. But I have been told before that I can take way too long in my introductory remarks, so I am going to just stop talking right now, and I'm going to play this audio from... Uh, it's actually from the the uh, what was it called it's from the Reawaken America movement but I was trying to remember the name of the actual channel because there's there's an actual channel believe it or not that I wanted to go to <laughs> I got it right here sorry about that I'm sure some of you will be familiar with the channel and there may even be a lot of you familiar with it it's called the hidden day and it's the C2K report um, that I'm actually talking about right now. I played a 12-minute clip from the Reawaken America tour um, in my sermon Sunday morning, also in yesterday's episode of the podcast. I played the same clip, and... If you haven't heard that clip, it's very important for you to hear. Because to, in that clip, you can hear <laughs> the the lie is very, very... And, and not just the lie, but the contradiction between what is being said there and the scriptures is very, very easy to see. But today, we're talking about the subtlety of the lie. Just like... The scripture says that the serpent in the garden deceived Eve with his subtlety. He was very subtle. Well, the subtlety that you're going to hear today is it's incredible. The things that you're going to hear, I'm going to tell you, they're going to sound they're going to sound right. But I am going to show you through the word of God and through the video that we're going to watch that they're not right. Um, when I saw the video of this audio I'm play, I'm fixing to play now last night, to me, who has discernment and knows what the scripture says, a kingdom Christian pastor, it, I was not swayed by it, but it sounded right to me to an extent because they mixed in so much truth with their lie. But at the end of it, it was clear as day, all of it tied together, that dominionist theology. That's what it's all about. They, this is what it boils down to. It's the last thing I'll say before I match play. 
They want to purify Babylon. They want to take back Babylon for the kingdom of God. You can't do that. That's impossible. They're two kingdoms. And we, as Christians, citizens of the kingdom of God, it's in, in this flesh, it's not our job to take dominion back from the enemy over this earth. That's what Jesus does in the tribulation when you, when we see in the book of Revelation, no one was found worthy to open the scroll, right? John says he was so sad, and I'm paraphrasing, because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and then the, they found one that was worthy and it was the Lamb of God was worthy to open the scroll. Do you know what that scroll is? The title deed to the earth. Dominion cannot be taken back of the earth from Satan without the deed. And that's what that scroll with the seven seals is. It is the title deed to earth. But here is the uh, audio from the C2K report. And I am going to start it now. Uh, I, there's an ad here, so bear with me and forgive me. I'm closing the ad. Apologize. Got to get it to the right place or else it's all for nothing. I, I actually just, uh, that is a good Got it. I found it. Sorry it took me so long. They all, on Rumble, this is on Rumble, by the way. And on Rumble, it's not like on YouTube where, you know, you can see which is which. They all, at least on his channel, they all just say the same thing, which is um, the C2K report. But this is the C2K special report with Clay Clark. So I want you to listen. Pay very close attention. I'm going to skip forward now to the beginning of this roundtable discussion. They begged us to leave. Uh, and so a lot of Americans don't understand. It doesn't do that. My wife was telling me to skip forward with the, the thing. This. I think it might skip forward 10 About, seconds uh, on, on, um, on the app. But I'm not on the app, and uh, she was telling me to do it like YouTube, but it doesn't work like that on Rumble unless you're in the app. And 
I am on the website. But here we go. We're at the beginning of it nonetheless. Nope. I'm playing the audio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this C2K special report. Uh, I'm your host, Randy Conway, uh, from Randy Conway Poems. And you'll find me at randyconwaypoems.com. Also with us today... Uh, on this C2K special report is another co-host, David Paxton, student and teacher of prophecy in the Bible for over 20 years and the host of The Hidden Day. And you can find uh, him at thehiddenday.com. Uh, you can find him on YouTube, Rumble, and uh, C2K Ecclesia on Telegram. And also the host of the C2K report, where you're going to find deep teaching and learning, the host of the Hidalgo Show, the founder of Trinity Wrestling, Mr. Rick Hidalgo, and you can find him at the C2KReport.com. And our very special guest today needs a little introduction, Mr. Clay Clark. And you say, who is Clay Clark? Only the world's best business coach. And if I told you everything about Clay Clark, there will be no time left for the show. So the short version is this. Clay Clark is the father of five, five kids. And by the way, Mr. Hidalgo has you beat by one, uh, Mr. Clay. And the organizer, the MC and host of the General Flynn Reawaken America Tour, the former U.S. SBA Entrepreneur of the Year for the state of Oklahoma, the founder of several multi-million dollar company, companies, and the host of the Thrive Time Show podcast, which has been number one overall on iTunes business podcast chart six times. Clay Clark is a member of the Forbes Business Coach Council, an amazing bestseller author, best-selling author. And okay, okay, you've, you've boosted his head up enough. <laughs> Get to the... As I said, six times. And uh, Mr. Clark, welcome, very much welcome to this C2K special report. And I believe Mr. Hidalgo has a question for you. Hey, appreciate you guys allowing me to be here with you. Oh, awesome. We're really glad that you're here. I just and that's to... our show. Oh, I, I want to throw I want to throw this out. I want to throw this out because I hear I hear you talking a lot about local action making a national impact, and I know that that's a that's a huge deal. Uh, we are intimately involved in local action because we're teaching people how to build their house within the ecclesia and and, and how to uh, literally take back uh, their their communities, their neighborhoods, their counties so on and so forth, uh, and, and put uh, the right people in the right places at the right time. I, I, I want to hear what Clay Clark's got to say about this. About uh, what you guys are doing? Mm -hmm. Well, about, about lo local action. Doing? Yeah. What well, local uh, action? this is, this is uh, just trying to, you know, organize my thoughts on this. Uh, the first thing is people just have to understand, we have to understand what is going on. And so if you're not careful... Uh, my wife and I, we have five kids, okay? So a lot of times my kids, they get invited to events. They say, look, look we're having an event at the Driller Stadium, the baseball team. It's a baseball team. They're minor league baseball team. And we go, and I've got five kids, four daughters, and we get in the car, and I say, kids, how was the game? None of my kids have any idea what the score was. They have no idea who won or who didn't. And their version of a Driller's game is how many snow cones they were able to sneak in during uh, the five innings before they begged us to leave. Uh, and so a lot of Americans don't understand we are fighting right now. We're in a fight of the Great Reset agenda being implemented by Klaus Schwab. And Klaus Schwab, who has control over Trudeau. Klaus Schwab, who has control 
All right, I'm pausing this for a second because I want you to listen. And I may do this from time to time because I feel like it's important to break this down and point out the truth. He's fixing to give you a ton of truth. But this is truth that is not just known in the Christian uh, truth or movement. The truth or movement all the way around knows who runs the New World Order. Uh, you know, we know who the, the major players in the Great Reset are. So I want you to pay attention now because he's fixing to start really giving truth, which is what's going to hook people in. If you haven't already figured out in the first just few minutes of this guy talking, he's got the gift of gab. I mean, and I'm not going to say he's not a believer. He He's, you know, pro, he, he's, he talks the talk of someone who believes, but not someone who follows as we're going to see when we go to the ultimate authority because it's not my opinion or your opinion or his opinion it's just what the word of God says over Putin Klaus Schwab who has control over Xi Jinping in China Klaus Schwab who has control over Merkel in Germany Klaus Schwab who has a satanic Spiritual advisor. Klaus Schwab has an advisor named Dr. Yuval Noah Harari. I will play just 30 seconds. Dr. Yuval Noah Harari was asked to be a keynote speaker at the World Economic Forum. Can everyone hear it okay? Explain to an audience of people what the Great Reset is all about. And this is what Dr. Yuval Noah Harari had to say. Here we go. Back it up. We are probably one of the last generations of Homo sapiens. Because in the coming generations, we will learn how to engineer bodies and brains and minds. Now, how exactly will the future masters of the planet look like? This will be decided. And you go, wow, that's a little crazy. Okay, but we continue. Now, mind you, as he's speaking, he has a backdrop of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, behind him. He does a follow-up interview. They said, wow, you just said that we're ending Homo sapiens? And this is what he said. They said, sir, what's inside the COVID-19 shots? What is this all about? And this is what he has to say. Humans are now hackable animals. Mm. You know, the, the whole idea that humans have, you know, this, they, they have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what's happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whether in the supermarket, this is my free will, that's over. Free will, that's over. This is what he's. This is not me, you know, exaggerating. What he he's actually saying. Final clip here for you, just ten seconds. Um, he's asked, "What is inside the vaccines?" This is what he says. And identify the coronavirus epidemic as the moment when a new regime of surveillance took over, especially surveillance under the skin, which I think is maybe the most important development of the 21st century. And so if you, if you assume I'm psychologically impaired and you open up your uh, uh, internet browser and you go to time2freeamerica.com forward slash revelation, you can see in the natural time2freeamerica.com forward slash revelation, you can see all the facts, you can see where the CDC patented the coronavirus, they created a virus in 2002, transmissible to humans, they patented a bioweapon in 2002, they sat on it for 17 years, and 2015, by the way, folks, the CD, this is real stuff, in 2015, a patent for the system and method for testing for COVID-19 was patented. The system and method for testing for COVID-19 was patented in 2015. Yes. So this is another reason why I'm playing this, because the things he's about to say, you know, this is good information. And 
I have, you know, I don't, I, I have any problem with people, you know, watching the C2K report. I'm a friend of David Paxton. David and I are friends. We obviously disagree on theology, but I have no problem with you watching the C2K report. Um, but you cannot get deceived into this and not understand the spirit that's behind this reawaken America thing. I mean, there are any dominionist groups who think that you can take back Babylon and conquer the the world in the name of Jesus. I mean, that's what that's what the Roman Catholics were doing um, all throughout uh, history in Catholic history. That's what the Templars were doing, although they were doing a lot more than that. But that's what the uh, that's what what the uh, whole movement of the Crusades were about. You know, it's tantamount to trying to redeem Satan. You can't do it. All right, but this is good information when it comes to the jab, and this may get me taken down, not me taken down, but the video taken down for playing this because I forgot that they're on Rumble so they can say things that, can't be said here, but anyway, um, the information on the jab and the um, the thing itself, the the bug itself is great info. But um, you know, it's stuff that you have to be very, very sound in the word and understand the doctrine of the two kingdoms before you can watch this type of stuff, follow this type of stuff without being drawn into it because you'll be deceived. Biblically speaking, which is where the ultimate truth is, if you go to Matthew chapter 24, uh, Jesus, I'm going to paraphrase, which you should never do, but for the sake of time, folks, open your Bible, King James Version, Matthew chapter 30, uh, 24, verse 37 says, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So you might say, well, what were the days of Noah? Genesis chapter 6, verse 2 uh, yes. through 9, describes as there were giants in the earth mm-hmm. in those days, and after also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare them children, so fallen angels, mated with humans, created the Nephilim, not good. So back to your question, local action, national impact. Step one, do not take the RNA-modifying nanotechnology inside your body. Do not. Don't wear a mask. Don't stand six feet apart. That is a satanic ritual. If you did, if you're listening today and you said, I'm really curious about Satanism, I'd like to give it a try. Well, step one, you have to wear a mask. This is a fact. And you have to stand six feet apart from each other. And you can learn more about it by Googling uh, the Bohemian Grove rituals. That's what they do. So we are literally practicing a satanic cult initiation when you wear a mask and stand six feet apart. So local action, national impact, one, don't wear a mask. Two, don't take the RNA-modifying nanotechnology. Three, if you've mastered those two things, you got to get involved in Christ-centered organizations and people that are fighting back. Mary has... All the info he just gave, Mary has already uh, 
um, exposed in the status report. The info he's about to start giving is not even info, it's advice. And this is what you need to pay attention to for the deception. Back, ...that are gaining traction like what you guys are presenting. But if you're, if you're out there, and I, I get this all the time, I was at one of the Reawaken America Tour events in Ohio. And one guy who's an expert of election fraud, okay? It's true. And I'm not going to tell you who it is, so nobody guess there, okay, Rick? No, 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 don't, don't guess. He says to me, you know, Clay... Bill Gates is actually kind of a good guy. This is an election fraud expert from Ohio. And I said, uh, you mean the Bill Gates that has a uh, patent he filed? The books look it up. It's W-O-2-0-2-0-0-6-0-6-0-6. You mean the Bill Gates that has a satanic spirit cooking consultant and advisor by the name of Marina Abramovich? Bill Gates' spiritual advisor is literally a Satan worshiper. And you mean the same Bill Gates that teamed up with the world's most prolific pedophile to fund and fund and finance nanotechnology that goes inside the human body with Charles Lieber for the Chinese? What? And the guy says, hey, I think you're labeling Bill Gates all wrong. He's not that. He's not really what you think he is. I go, no, no. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. He's pro-Satan. That's it. So I'm not going to team up with that guy. I love that he got up there and was able to explain how election fraud took place. Show me your wallet. But you've got to... <laughs> Christians right now, ladies. You have to deal with people like Randy. You got to team up with people here like Rick. It has to happen because if you don't, you're not equally yoked, and pretty soon you're going to find yourself living in a van down by the uh, Satanic River. Clay, I got got to make a comment about. So, what he just said was, you've got to find organizations like theirs, and link yourself up with. Dominionist groups, if he's talking to Christians, you got to link yourself up with Dominionist groups or you're going to be unequally yoked. Mm. About what, what you just went through, real quick, that, that is so outstanding because people don't understand the spiritual war is very biologic, right? It is very biologic, this spiritual warfare. And Back in 1913, Colonel Edward Mandel House wrote a letter to President Woodrow Wilson, and he said, he said, uh, very soon will come a day, very soon, he said, will come a day when you will have to register your biological property. That is your body and your children. Your children are property in the eyes of this system. You are property in the eyes of, of this system, and they have compelling interests in, in what we are teaching in this local uh, setting up your house is is to take that compelling interest away from them because right now they have title use and interest of that biologic property and you can own that that title use and interest uh, and take that away from them. That's as local as it gets, as inside your own house. Yeah. So straighten up your own house first so then we can take our counties and we can take our communities and we can have our nation back. Go ahead, Mr. Clark. I, I just want everybody to understand this, this Reawaken America tour, when people go to timetofreeamerica.com, for the first time, and they go there. This is what happens. I, I, I talk to people every day. This is what happens. People who are smart, we go, your listeners are smart. They go, why are you doing this? That's a great question. One, I just asked God, and I, ask, I encourage all your listeners to do it, just ask God openly with words, say it out loud. Say, dear Jesus, what can I do to save this nation? Wow. And then Amen. don't say anything until you hear something, until you feel something, until you get it. And keep asking, okay? And if you're not getting an answer, fast. What? Fast. And you're not getting it. I mean, but really obsess on it. And I just felt like God was putting a call on me to use my time, talent, treasure, skills, connections, whatever, to put all that, all my business acumen together 
to put together an event that was quote-unquote impossible because a lot of the mainstream media said, you can't possibly do an event, and the attacks came in. I mean, we got Jimmy uh, Kimmel, we got Huffington Post, we got Rolling Stone, they're all coming after me. And all I'm doing, all I'm saying is we're going to have a mask-free, socially distance-free event, and I'm going to hug every single person that shows up. And by the way, they can name their price because I don't want anyone to think that I'm trying to profiteer. He just let you know how rich he is. He said they can name their price. He'll pay whatever. Uh, well, Jesus said, I'm just going to point this out. I'm not going to play this whole thing. It's like 35 minutes long. Um, I, I'm only going to play just a few more minutes of it just to let you hear what, from their own mouths, what they believe our job as believers are. And then we're going to move on from that. But... You know, it, it is very important to understand who is out in front of this thing. Um, you know, they have the money to do pretty much whatever they want, and they're doing it. He's not as rich as Klaus Schwab or Bill Gates, but he's not very far from him. I mean, he's... He was so rich, he was able to step down from the boards of his many multi-million dollar corporations that he owned, uh, or he had he owned the controlling interest in, in order to do this. So, you know, I don't know exactly how much he's worth, but I know... You could probably Google or DuckDuckGo and find out how much money Clay Clark has because you can for anybody else. Oh, what I was going to say was Jesus said that, not that it's impossible, but that it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. That doesn't mean die and go to heaven, although I guess in the finality sense it does. It means enter into the kingdom of heaven. We are the kingdom of heaven. Enter into the church. Enter into the true vine of Jesus Christ. From these events, I don't take a dime of salary or income. And I have no problem if anybody makes money, by the way, doing events. Charlie Kirk, great job, whatever. Bill O'Reilly, that's fine. I'm not going to do that. And just like church, if you want to donate or you want to, you can name your price. So we tell people, it costs me a 400 grand to put on these events. You can name whatever price you want to pay, but let's do it. And then the attacks come. But because I'm so built up in my faith, Matthew 5, 10 through 11 says, Blessed are ye who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven. So the more I get attacked, I'm going, oh, this is good. Oh, glory.
And then footage just came out of Eric Coomer. If you go to Rumble.com tonight, this is really fun, folks. Type in Eric Coomer on Rumble, just Eric and then C-O-O-M-E-R. This guy got arrested after driving his vehicle while drunk at 2 in the afternoon into a building. He backs out, and he drives, going, I need to park my car. So he parks his car, scurries into a local bar. The officer is wearing a, a, a camera. He says, Eric Coomer. Uh, were you the one who just drove your vehicle into the building, just destroying a parked building, and then parked your car and then went into the bar? And he goes, uh, no, I, that was not, I was not the one driving the vehicle. And he's like, but you did park in the vehicle? Yes. So someone else wrecked your car, then you hopped in and parked it? No. Uh, you're you're going to be arrested, seriously. Do you know who I am? I'm Eric Cooper. I'm the head of security and strategy for Dominion. Look me up. And so all I'm saying is, these people that have been attacking the church, attacking you guys, attacking me, they're all corrupt people. And as they try to dig deep and deep and deep to find dirt on everybody, they end up finding themselves because they are Luciferians. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amen. Amen. I got to say, the, uh, the pastor here at this church, we go to Har- we're at the Harvest Revival Church, and one of the uh, pastors Listen. here. Listen, listen what he says. pastor is Neil Peterson. He's running for governor of Ohio. Senior pastor running for governor. trying to reach the people that recognize the hypocrisy. They don't go to fake church. They recognize the hypocrisy in the churches. And see, Satan knows this. So he that's who he's going to target with things that sound like the truth. And there are also things that the people that they're targeting 
agree with. You know, they're tired of the mandates and everything else too and the hypocrisy in the churches. But they're catching them as new believers. He said they have an altar call at every event. You think, I was thinking last night, it's great, it's awesome. But they're having an altar call at every event and then they're catching them at the end of it and well just listen to him um, you know they're they're inducting them into not the truth because these are new believers who aren't founded in the word they they haven't been believers long enough to um, know that these things don't go along <laughs> Mary says it's me Mary yeah I know it's you when I said brother, I was talking to Jeremy Stone there, Mary. Um, I, whenever I said uh, brother a while ago, I, I was uh, talking, I was answering or responding to Jeremy Stone's comment. I'm sorry. Vaccines. And even before that, I couldn't stand my pastor getting up to go and said, literally one lady told me, she said, I walked out of my church when the pastor got up and said, Folks at Yada Yada Church, we're one of the largest churches in America. We want you to know we specialize in our diversity and caring, which is why we're going to have one of the leaders of Black Lives Matter come up and address them. And she goes, Black Lives Matter is an organization founded by a lesbian Marxist and funded by a racist white Nazi. She, she said, I had to leave. I just can't do it. And so a lot of people are looking for the gospel. And so what are we doing? The entire purpose. This. We expose election fraud, medical fraud, religious fraud, monetary fraud, mainstream media fraud. But at the end of the day, the main purpose, it all, the only reason, oh, is to lead people to Christ. That's, right. that's it. Amen. Amen. So, and there is a deep state church the same as there is a deep state government. Oh, the, I'll tell you this real quick about deep state church. If you want to have a blasty blast reading about this, folks, go to time2freeamerica.com and then click on the button that says the truth about renting religious leaders. The Pope hosted a transhumanism meeting of the minds. Rick Warren is a big fan of the World Economic Forum, and T.D. Jakes is pushing the COVID-19 vaccines. And if you're out there today now, and you want to learn more... They're, they're pointing out NAR people, or, well, not NAR people. Some of them were Word of Faith people, but they're what they're they're calling out um ecumenical people who are part of the ecumenical movement he just named rick warren td jakes and i didn't hear the other one but um they're only saying the names of those people who are for the solution for the jab because this is a merger of they don't care about your theology. And as you're going to see in what we're going to watch in right now, uh, I'm done playing that. I, you, you've heard enough of, of that video, and I'll, I'll put the description of the entire video in the... I mean, I'll put the link to the entire video in the description of this video. But as you're fixing to see, um, what these people are doing is... And where they've gone wrong, they, they maybe have not always been dominionist. But because they don't understand the scriptures, they're reading the scriptures through a specific lens. They have let their, they have, they have gone from being believers who were political 
in their merging of church and state, they have started using the gospel and the church to further their political agenda. And that's all it's about. I mean, it's it's not all it's about. It goes deeper than that. It goes into the uh, spirit of Antichrist. But that is what those who aren't behind the movement, those who aren't leaders in the movement, who are just deceived by the dominionism, like my friend, Brother David Paxson, who was, that was his show that they had um, this Clay Clark on. But uh, they're wanting to take back America for the, the kingdom of God. They're wanting to reawaken America. Reawaken America, The just in the title, suggests that America was once awakened. See, they believe America was once a Christian nation. Therefore, they believe wrongly that there can be a Christian nation on this earth before the return of Christ. And the scriptures are plain as day that that can't happen. That cannot happen. Um, I don't know how much they do and don't know about the actual things that took place during the revolution and the founding of of America but I do and I have many of the facts in front of me in Brother David Berceau's book In God We Don't Trust and I have all intentions of reading you a little bit from it Um, but it will really depend on how much time we have after the video's over Uh, I want to read one thing really quick. I read it yesterday and I read it Sunday, but this is Jesus speaking as he was under the worst tyranny of all, Um, and that was the tyranny of his own people were killing him and crucifying him. They had betrayed him to the Romans, and he was on trial. Pilate was speaking to him, um, trying to, I guess, find a reason not to have to crucify him. If you've read the story of the crucifixion, you know that Pilate wanted to let Jesus go. He, um, his wife told him, you know, not to have anything to do with this man, um, that he was free. I, I mean, to uh, that he was innocent. I mean. But this is what Jesus said when Pilate asked him some questions about whether or not he is a king. And uh, it's in Matthew chapter 20. trying to see if it's Matthew chapter 27 or 26 or 27. Okay, it's 27. Matthew 27. Um, We're going to start in verse 
just want to make sure that I'm reading the right thing because it okay I am reading the right thing I just problem is I'm trying to read you the account of Jesus's trial in the book of Matthew and that's not where I read it in yesterday I read the account in the book of John I'm sorry I'm, I am human brothers and sisters so bear with me it's uh, Matthew chapter 18 and we're going to start in verse 33 then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and he called Jesus and said unto him art thou the king of the Jews he asked Jesus was he the king of the Jews Jesus answered him and he said sayest thou this thing of thyself or did others tell it of me Pilate answered am I a Jew thine own nation and the chief priest have delivered thee unto me what hast thou done in other words, what did you do to deserve this? Jesus answered and said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight that I should not be delivered unto the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore answered and said unto him, Art thou then a king? Jesus answered and sayest, I am a king. To this end I was born, and for this cause I came into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. So, if you hear the truth, you will hear what Jesus said there. That's what he means by everyone who heareth no everyone who is of the truth heareth my voice. Jesus said that his kingdom was not of this world. Our kingdom is ruled by our king, Jesus. And Jesus said that if his kingdom was on this world, or if I wanted my servants to take dominion of this world for me, then they would fight so that I wouldn't have been delivered to the Jews. And I'd have been set up on the throne and we'd have taken dominion right now. But until he returns again, it's not time for that. And he definitely did not commission us to do that. Nowhere after the crucifixion, resurrection, or ascension did Jesus command us to go back and take dominion of the earth? No, he didn't. He commanded us to do things, plenty of things. First and foremost of which was to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. But I'm not going to get on a soapbox. I'm going to go ahead and uh, share the video right now. So here we go, guys.
Americans have. Our rights have been stripped away by our king, who is of a different world. We're sojourners and pilgrims in this place, and we got to live by him first. And where, where we can follow the laws of this government, we do, as long as it's not in opposition to him. Uh, this message and the next message were all supposed to be one message, uh, one complete thought from beginning to end. And I uh, got thrown a little curveball last night, and I'm not very good at hitting the soft, straight softball throws, nonetheless, uh, Major League Baseball curveball. So uh, this might not be a complete thought. I did my best to try to make this first half make sense. But what I'll go ahead and tell you is that the reason this, this part is here that you're about to see is not to say anything bad about the United States or any other government of the world, but it's to say that you, when you read the early Christians and their thoughts on non-resistance and what non-resistance meant from the apostles and Stephen and all, all the people who died for Christ at the beginning up to the next generation of men who the the gospel is handed down to and how they treated non-resistance, it's almost impossible, if not impossible, to swallow if you don't understand this concept I'm going to teach today. So, um, Jesus is Lord. So what do you think about this picture? What does that make you feel like? Um, and I'm glad Dan Weeks has adopted somewhat of a non-resistance spirit. <laughs> um, does this make you, I, I don't know, I just wanted to put that up there. I, I'll tell you how I ran into this picture. And then this picture of Jesus is the shepherd and he has this American flag wrapped around him in a broken world with the America split in two and he's leading Trump who's hugging his flag and John Wayne shooting the American flag out of his gun. Uh, this is how America, the right at least, sees it. Um, that we are one nation under God. And that we, Trump was elected because it was our moral obligation to vote for him. Because if we didn't, our rights wouldn't be defended. Our Christian rights, what we have. Um, but what does this make you feel like? I couldn't find this one online, so I had to make it. Um, is this the truth, or is the other, or both? How about this short clip? Okay, we're going to welcome Mr. President now. I want you to bless him. Speak a blessing to him. Would you do that? Raise your hand to speak a blessing to him. So, pray the Spirit over him. Here he is. Come to visit us. Time, Mr. President. One nation under God. It's a little hard to swallow. Um, is Jesus Lord or Caesar Lord? In God we trust, we trust with a picture of Caesar. 
next to it? Do we trust in God? What questions do these images that I just showed you bring about? For me, it's, is America a Christian nation? Has America ever been a Christian nation? Is there such thing as a Christian nation? And if I haven't already done it, um, I'm going to take a minute to throw myself under the bus. Um, I, I was, this is about non-resistance, although it might not seem like it at this first half. Guys, I'm going to skip around through this video, through some things. Like, I'll skip through things for time's sake. Um, he's just getting ready to tell some personal stories how he used to not be, uh, you know, he used to, to be very combative and violent. And I want you guys to get the point of it, the teaching part of it. So I'm going to skip through the parts that uh, aren't relevant. I'll merge the next half. Um, Non-resistance had started becoming part of my life, every part of her life. It's, I told my Chinese friends, hey, let's go down there, let's threaten them, let's beat us. But it's like when our kids are annoying us and we have to show patience. We, anyway, we'll get to that next week or next time. So realizing you're a foreigner, a story from China. When I was in China, um, I we moved into our first house and this wife was getting beat by her husband every day and the child was too. We could hear the screamings uh, of this happening. And I told my Chinese friends, hey, let's go down there, let's threaten them, let's beat them up, let's keep them from ever doing that again, make them scared. And they're like, you can't do that. And I was like, why? And they're like, Domest domestic violence is completely legal here. And even if he killed his kid, it, he probably wouldn't get in trouble for it. And if you go touch him, they're going to sue you. You're probably going to go to jail and then kicked out of the country. And then not long after that, I was at a train station and this guy was choking this girl and this girl was trying to defend herself and scratching his face. And I started to run after him and my Chinese friend took off after me and grabbed me and he said, you can't do that. And he's like trying to explain to me that I'm going to, they're going to make up. And then all their injuries, they're going to blame on me, and they're going to sue me, and I'm going to go to jail and then get kicked out of the country. And then suddenly all these rights that were my God-given rights were, were, like, taken away. And I started to become more and more of a foreigner. I mean, I was called a foreigner everywhere I went all the time. The Chinese people, that's just what they do. They say, foreigner, foreigner. Every time they see a foreigner, you hear it and all the time. So I was always reminded, but it became more and more a reality. Like I was cheated every time I got bananas from the street market because they thought, hey, this is a foreigner. Let's get more money from them. And I would hear the prices they would tell the other people, and I'd get double the price. That wasn't always, and they're not like this bad people. But then uh, there's we went to language school, and then the teacher, after these first two things happened, the teacher told, showed us this video of this Russian who put his knees up on the seat of another Chinese, a Chinese person's seat on a bus. It was actually a train, sorry. And the Chinese person turned around and said, can you get your feet off my seat? And the guy cussed at him. The Russian guy cussed at the Chinese guy. And then he was arrested and then kicked out of the country. And I was like, whoa, Chinese people are sitting there strangling their wives and beating up their children. 
And we, if a foreigner puts his knees on a seat and says a bad word, we're out of here. So not only did I not, no longer have the rights of America, I no longer had the rights, uh, I didn't have any rights in China. The Chinese don't have a lot of rights. And I had less than the Chinese. I had to pay taxes, I had to obey their laws, but the laws were more stringent on foreigners. There's one more story that they copyright laws. I, start, I built a computer in China and I needed all the software for it and I couldn't find where you can buy legit software. And everything was pirated over there and they told me there's no copyright laws. You can download this stuff and use it. And so originally I downloaded all this really expensive software and I was like, wow, this is amazing. I can get all this stuff for free here. And I was like, well, my country that I'm a citizen of, would they be upset with me because I'm over here doing this? And I started to think, I'm still under that law and I'm under this law, and because this law says it's okay, does that mean it's okay for me, or do I have to obey that law too? Which one's more over me? And so I was like, okay, well, I better not do that, so I delete it, and I figure out a way to buy the real thing, but I realize I'm under another law, and that law is quite capable of prosecuting me for downloading this illegally, even though I'm in another country that supposedly you could do that. And we'll get to why that matters later. And then our child, Keely, was going to Chinese school, and she was being indoctrinated by the Communist Party, like everything communist is good, and we're the best, and showing images of like Mao Zedong and talking about how heroic he was or whatever. And uh, so I realized there's two laws, and they do all these different kinds of things to promote the Communist Party in the children's mind. And it was kind of appalling to me because I was still connected to this Christian nationalism in a way. And I was like, how can they do this to the children? And then I started to think that, you know, we, we do the same thing in America. I grew up every day of my whole life standing up the first thing in the morning, pledging allegiance to a flag and one nation under God. And then they, they tell you this is what you're to believe and the, the narrative they give you and they make you a part of this nation. They brainwash you as a child. And it's not, indoctrination's not all bad. Um, and, and I believe we as a nation, a different nation, should be indoctrinating our children. And we shouldn't be letting strangers tell, us, tell our children what they should be believing and thinking. So after 10 years, I came back to America and discovered a very offended people. When he says we as a nation should be indoctrinating our children and telling them what to believe, he's talking about citizens of the kingdom of God. The nation he was referring to there was the kingdom of God and not letting public schools in America indoctrinate our children. Before I left, I when I was in high school and college, I had all kinds of friends from all different nations, Koreans, Africans, you, you name it. I probably had friends in, from those nations, and I played football with these guys. I didn't see racists. I never, I didn't know anybody. I only knew one person who claimed to be racist, but I think he just did it to get attention. And I didn't really understand racism, and I didn't see it existing anymore. And right before I go to China that January, Obama gets elected, and I was like, that's awesome, like, we're not going to have to worry about racism anymore. Like we're, we, ha our president of our country is a black gentleman, and and so it's over. And when we get to America, to China, 
we don't watch the news and we're secluded from it. And one day I'm teaching in school and one of the, ch- the students told me um, the, the gay, that homosexuals can be married. And I was like, no way. I was like, that when I left America, those Americans would have taken up arms to defend that from happening. Um, I called someone and they were like, no, this, we knew this was going to happen. And I was sure he would be the one, one of the people going after him. Things had changed. Uh, the, the politics had influenced people. And everybody was offended. When we got back to America, there was riots from racism. There was everybody fighting for their rights, men wanting to be women and women wanting to be men. And these people want to use this bathroom. And I don't even know. It was just nuts. Everything was crazy. Like it was not the place that I had left. And I'd already learned when I was in China that I'm a sojourner. I'm a foreigner in this land. I have no rights. I have less rights. I have to obey or I'm going to be punished and kicked out. And But one thing was true that I did not obey when they said, you can't preach the gospel. I preached the gospel. I went around to everybody telling them about God, and I did it in the classroom where I wasn't allowed to disobey my king, Jesus. I, I didn't. I could not obey this government of the world to disobey my king. And when I got back to the States, that seemed so true, like, Look at all these people thinking they have rights to disobey, and they're calling themselves one nation under God. And they're, they're, America had changed. It was defend, uh, offended people, a hurt people, an unforgiving people. And so I looked up God-given rights because I started hearing it everywhere. And I looked at the definition, and this is the first one I found, the right to do something without asking anyone else's opinion. And then I looked up what are these God-given rights? The right to life, the right to vote, the right to liberty, the right to property, the right for freedom of speech, to the right to bear arms, the right for a man to be a woman, the right for a woman to be a man, the right to, for men to marry women and women to marry men, and the right for women to kill their unborn babies, and the right for gays to adopt, and the right to use illegal drugs, which were once illegal, and the right to riot, and the right to self-defense. And I started to think, are any of these, or which one of these are actually rights that we have with God. And when I was looking that up is when I found this image, which was a thumbnail. I typed in Christian rights on YouTube, and I was looking for Christians who were saying what their rights were. And I found this guy. And this guy is an atheist, most likely Democrat, I don't know. And his whole message I didn't really care a whole lot about, but I was on a walk and I didn't feel like getting my phone out and switching it. And But the last things he said rang so true, and I'm going to play that for you. For 40 years, America's evangelical Christians have tightly interwoven themselves with the Republican Party. This has given them unprecedented power and influence, but has also made it increasingly difficult to separate their religious identity from their political identity. The question becomes, to what extent are the political opinions of evangelical Christians motivated by their faith versus to what degree has their faith merely become an expression of their politics? What degree of their faith has become an expression of their politics? And that kind of plagued me. I mean, I, I, I see it everywhere um, and loved ones and all over, the, all over the web that the expression of their faith has become an expression of their politics. And they don't realize that they've been so connected with the world they don't even know what Jesus said about things anymore. 
Um, I'm going to show you another clip real quick. I don't know if you remember this guy. The right to bear arms is a biblical right, a God-given right. It's something that God says you have a right to do is defend yourself. So before I go any further with this video, the sword over here on the left is the sword in front of the Garden of Eden. And he refers to an Old Testament passage where it says, take up arms. And he says, well, those arms are swords. And in the Garden of Eden, there is fire around a sword. And the fire around the sword is a fire arm. And then Jesus told us that we can sell our garments and buy, two, buy a sword. And they said, no, we have two swords. He says, that's enough. And so now we have the right to bear firearms. We can have firearms. It's our God-given right to defend ourselves. Sadly, many governments, and even this one in America, are trying to take away that right. And if they do, you've got to decide, okay, who am I going to follow? Rome or God? Mystery Babylon or the Lord Jesus Christ? <laughs> America was founded on God in the Bible, and they chose that Old Testament law that says that's a good law for society. We're going to follow that. And so the people that lived in the colonies at that time said, this is horrible, this is unbearable. Every right that the Bible says we have, this tyrant, King George, is taking away from us. And the last straw was when he said, nope, you have to surrender all your arms and give us all your powder. They said, we can't do that. They said, we have to resist he starts off with this nation was founded on biblical principles in the Bible and God himself. And then there was this time where we were being, or the colonists were being taxed too much by the British, or they felt like it was taxed too much. And some people went and did a violent act of throwing tea into the ocean. And then after that, this, this arms thing came about where they were trying to take away their weapons and a whole fight came about. So in, in America, in, God in our kingdom and the nation of God, uh, do we pay taxes? Are we supposed to pay taxes? We're supposed to pay taxes. There's no ifs, ands, or buts around it. And we're supposed to obey the government. And if the government wants to take our guns, I don't know of any right that the Bible says that we could have guns. If they take them, they take them. Um, I'm getting to a point here. Because as we're going to see in a minute, the Bible tells us to resist the devil. It's a command that if someone tries to harm you, if someone tries to hurt you, you have a right to resist and not allow them to do that to you. It is righteous. It is just for a man to defend himself and to keep himself from being killed. To tell someone otherwise is to be aiding and abetting a crime. To tell someone you have no right to defend yourself when someone attacks you is to be on the side of the attacker. And actually, that's a really good point, and that we are on the side of the attacker. When we read the early Christians next time, we'll see that they all were willingly to be beat up, even to death, so they can be on the side of the attacker. So that, that attacker may have an opportunity to know, to know God, to give their life to God, and to repent. And we are to be, when we're beaten, on the side of the attacker. One last one. Okay, well... Either way, you have a right to carry that. But the license, really, according to the Bible, is the Word of God. <laughs> because the Word of God is the license to have a sword or a firearm with you. So according to the Bible, there is a right for self-defense. All I'm saying is this message is a, a biblical teaching that God says we that are Christians have a right to own something as a weapon to defend ourselves from those that want to do us harm. And we don't have to allow it 
We resist it. We fight against it. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4 says, And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people. Now this is talking about Jesus Christ in the millennium. He shall judge among the nations, rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And someday there will be no need for a sword. And that's when Jesus Christ rules and reigns. And that's the day that I look for. And Jesus Christ rules and reigns today. And it is true that we beat our swords into plowshares. In the first three centuries of Christianity, completely 100% saw that was for today, that we do not fight anymore, uh, that our weapons are weapons of peace and gentleness. These are uh, what I call God's taken rights. These all come from the next message, but I decided to put them in here or this doesn't make a lot of sense, what I'm trying to get to. We'll find out that God takes our right to self-defense and to kill, and we don't have the right to riot or the right to be bitter or hurt. We don't have the right to complain or argue or gossip or boast or be rude. We've lost our right to be sexual and moral and impure and have impure thoughts and lustful pleasures and anger and drunkenness and orgies are all not of us. We can't accept same-sex marriage. Women don't have the right to kill their unborn babies. We can't sue others. We don't have the right to use illegal drugs. We don't have the right to keep records of wrongs. We don't have the right for women to teach in the church. We don't have the right to cause someone to stumble. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And then God's given commands. The right to do something because our king said we must. We must be gentle and turn the other cheek and love our enemies and bless those who persecute us and pay our taxes and be kind and forgive all. We must be patient and be good and have self-control and encourage others, and obey the government, and disobey the government when the government's commands are in opposition to the commands of Christ, our King. And we have the right to die. Before I go on to this guy real quick, this, this guy, he has a whole video on pacifist, and he talks about why the pacifist position is wrong. And then he talks about extreme pacifism and some other different types of pacifism, and he, a lot of them are where we stand. Um, and... In the next message, I'll go through some very short clips of his and explain the fallacies and why what he's saying is actually not true. On um, this one, I'm only going to hit one. All murder is wrong. Not all killing is wrong, but all murder is wrong. Murder is... Hold on, I do have to pause it. So he believes that we're all under one law, and if, if it's right for a non-believer to do something, it's right for a believer to do it. And if it's not right for a believer if, if it's not right for a believer to do it, it's not right for an unbeliever to do it. In his message in a circle they're thinking it makes a lot of sense, but it actually isn't. Like uh when we, when you see he sees like this one kingdom, it's all mixed, it's hard to separate. But when you see the two kingdoms, the world does what the world does and we do what Christ says, we're all gonna be judged about what Christ said. Anyway, let's watch this real quick. All murder is wrong. Not all killing is wrong, but all murder is wrong. Murder is the unlawful, unauthorized taking of human life. Now, that definition is important. In the past, I have defined murder as the unlawful taking of innocent human life. But now I've tweaked that because I've omitted the part about innocent human life because I believe there could be a situation, and, and I think there regularly are situations, where innocent life might be taken and it not be murder. 
Let me give you an example of this. Consider when the United States dropped the bomb on Nagasaki and, and Hiroshima. Thousands of innocent people died. But I would contend that that was not murder. It was an action authorized by Romans 13. The government had the right to take such an action. So murder is the unauthorized taking of human life. Now, capital punishment is killing, but it is not murder. So um, I don't know if you followed his logic, but the Chinese Communist Party is a minister of God. And just like the American, the, whatever government governs America is a minister of God. And the Chinese Communist Party had this one-child policy, and for many years, if they saw a woman and fa found out that a woman had a second child and she was pregnant with that woman, they would take her and drag her into these abortion buses, and by the authority of Rome or of the Communist Party, they would kill those babies. So that was right. That's, they're the ministers of God. They're doing right. No, they're part of another kingdom, and they're doing something wrong. They're murdering. Um, what does this say, my German speakers? Can you read that? I'm pretty sure it's German. Yeah, and God, God with us, or what, I, what it said everywhere is God and God we trust, same, same difference. And then you see what's below it there, a swastika. This is a belt from uh, the day of the Nazis, and the Nazis were a democracy. They were voted in. Uh, they were voted in by Mennonites and evangelicals, unfortunately. Um, and, I mean, Hitler was, and um, we know what Hitler did. And this is a church that Luther um, that Luther translated the Bible into German. And uh, it might seem shocking at first that during the Nazi regime, this is what the church became. But if you remember Luther's quote, and I'm not going to quote it here, it might be in the video later, but that Luther really hated the Jews. He wanted the Jews to be burned and their stuff to be taken away and have absolutely no rights and basically be slaves. And the... The, he had tons of influence on, that, on the state at that time, and it poured down into Hitler's life, I believe, and uh, Hitler ran with it. Uh, Hitler seemed to do what Luther preached. Luther penned a work entitled The Jews and Their Lies, and he addressed the work to the German princes, urging them to take violent measure against the Jews. And this is what he wrote, quote, what shall we Christians do with this rejected and condemned people, the Jews? We dare not tolerate their conduct now that we are aware of their lying and blaspheming. If we do, we become sharers in their lies, cursing and blasphemy. I shall give you my sincere advice. First, set fire to their synagogues or schools and bury and cover with dirt whatever will not burn so that no man will ever again see a stone or cinder of them. This is to be done in honor of our Lord and of Christendom, so that God might see that we are Christians. Second, I advise that their houses also be razed and destroyed. This will bring home to them the fact that they are not masters in our country as they boast. Third, I advise that all their prayer books and Talmudic writings be taken from them. Fourth, I advise that the rabbis be forbidden to teach on pain of loss of life and limb. Fifth, I advise that safe conduct on the highways 
be abolished completely for the Jews, for they have no business in the countryside, since they are not lords, officials, tradesmen, or the like. Let them stay at home, for you must not and cannot protect them unless you wish to become participants in their abominations in the sight of God. Sixth, I advise that charging interest be prohibited to them, and that all cash and treasure of silver and gold be taken from them and put aside for safekeeping. Through usury, they have stolen and robbed from us all they possess. Seventh, I recommend putting a flail, an axe, a hoe, a spade, a distaff, or a spindle into the hands of young, strong Jews and Jewesses, and let them earn their bread by the sweat of their brow. For it is not fitting that they should let us accursed Gentiles toil in the sweat of our faces, while they, the, quote, holy people, idle away their time behind the stove, feasting and passing gas. He used a little bit stronger word there. And on top of all, boasting blasphemously of their lordship over the Christians, by means of our sweat. No, we should toss out these lazy rogues by the seat of their pants, end quote. This idea that we can merge church and state, um, this is what it can come to. The, the Mennonites didn't know and the evangelicals didn't know. And what's even crazier is that all those soldiers, almost all of them were claimed Christians, the people doing all those horrific things. Um, this is what you get. This is what happened with Constantine uh, when the church first merged with the state, the church had some influence and did some good things, but eventually the, the, their faith was become a part of their politics, and the church w almost dissolved to nothing. I'm going to talk a little bit about the historic faith for a minute. There are more than 45,000 denominations globally. Some people even say as many as 100,000. And when we, you're a Christian, you have to you grow up and you learn about Christ and you believe Him and you want to follow Him, but then you hear all these conflicting ideas and all these different theologies, and you're so confused. My glasses don't look like this. This is what Bill put up last time, ready for my unbiased exegesis or interpretation of the Bible. And he's looking through the Bible through all these different teachers of the past, and all these are Calvinists. Mine might have had some of these people, definitely had some of these people as my influence, but had a lot more people on it, a lot different people, people all over the world. And I was so confused, like, how can there be so much conflicting thoughts about Christian, Christianity? And then when I discovered that the first 200 years, I mean, I didn't know the exact dates then, but the first 200 years of Christianity, there, there was no splits. All the church was unified. And the next 100 years, there were only two divisions. And it was the Montanists and Novationists. Is that right? And... And these divisions, if we look back at them, they're basically the same thing. I mean, they're not like a huge difference like we have today where we're on opposite poles and they both call themselves a church. And so this is the, the new glasses to put on. I'll zoom in so you can see it. It's first we look at the Bible and we look at the Bible with our biases. We look at it with everything we've learned in the past and we say, well, that means this and this means that. I have no idea what that means. This seems to mean this. I've heard this means that. And then we wonder if any of it's true. What is true? How do we know this? And then we go and we look at how did the early Christian, the United Church, who had nothing, they, were, they all believed the, the same thing, basically. I mean, they had little bitty differences, but nothing to divide them. What did they think about it? How did they see it? And then that wipes away all of our biases. Oh, I was definitely wrong about that. And now I know what that means. And, you know, you could just look at the Bible and start to figure it out at this moment. Then you look at all the Bible 
and all of the modern Christianity through the lens that we now have of then when you go back to the Bible, you see, wow, this actually says something very different. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I'm going to have been and I will be quoting a lot of the early Christians in in the next while. So we're going to read some, open your Bibles to John 8.33. Don't really. All right, I'm stopping the video and um, going back because he um, is going into stuff that I covered before we started watching the video. So, you know, I, um, I hope that you all saw that and understood it because it has everything to do with this dominionist movement. Dominionism is something that is so full of the spirit of Antichrist that it should be easy for us to see. But because we either don't know the Bible or we've read the Bible through lenses, doctrinal lenses like Lutheran lenses or Calvinistic lenses or what you fill in the blank the the doctrines of men's our theological lenses because of that we're able to be deceived and we don't understand what the Bible is saying so what he said there at the end is so true we go if you go back to the first 200 years of Christianity and you read what they believed the Bible was saying on these issues then you go back and you read the Bible and see that what they believed on these things is a literal interpretation literally what Jesus said literally what the Apostles said with no denominational doctrinal theological lenses just the most literal interpretation possible then you realize the way to read the Bible and that's the only way that you're gonna be able to fight this spiritual war that we're in Ephesians 6 tells us the armor of God and the armor of God protects us and helps us fight the spiritual battle offensively and defensively and the sword of the spirit is useless it's a dull useless sword if it's being used incorrectly or you don't know it and it's not being used it's useless if it's not being used it's dull if it's being used through the 
lens of the doctrine of man. But if you just take the word of God for what it says, you just, as Phil Baker says, just realize and get back to the simple words of Christ. You don't add anything to them, and you don't take anything away from them. You just follow them. You read them, and you apply them. You don't add to them. He said something that many of you probably disagreed with. I know had this been, you know, a few years ago, I would have disagreed with him. He said, "There's I don't see anything in the Bible. He was talking about the, the video where the guy was uh, showing how we have the right to bear arms using the scriptures. And he says, you know, we I see nothing in the Bible that gives us rights to bear arms, rights to firearms. And it, but we are commanded to obey the laws of the land. We are supposed to obey the laws of Caesar unless they go against the scriptures, the laws of God, the commandments of Jesus Christ. So if they come for our guns, they come for them. And as someone who has firearms and has always been a huge Second Amendment right guy and member of the NRA, not the NAR, the NRA. Um, you know, I'm not anymore, but I was. Um, you know, that's hard for me. But I know that it's the truth. I know it's right. We are under a tyrannical government and they are ushering in the new world order and when I say we I mean we no matter where you are in the world okay I, I can agree with that but it can't be any more tyrannical than Rome it can't be I mean <laughs> they were putting the Christians to death they were burning them alive I mean, there is no world leader that we have today that is more of a tyrant than Nero. And not once did the apostles ever advocate rising up. As a matter of fact, Brother Matthew Marcella and myself did an episode on church and state. The name of the episode is Voting in Politics. And we talked about how I gave an example um, from the early Christian writings and the scriptures of how, um, you know, Aquila and Priscilla had to leave, I think it was Rome itself. If not, it was a, another Roman province. And they had to come to where Paul was. And also, the emperor at that time set up, I can't remember what emperor it was because they went through so many emperors during the first 200 years of Christianity, 
but it's in the first century as well. And but whatever emperor it was had set up an image, uh, or not an image of himself, an idol to one of the uh, gods in the one of the synagogues, and there were uprisings. the The Jews were uprising and doing the same things that these believers in this Reawaken America movement are suggesting that we do. And friends, you make no mistake about it. That is what Reawaken America is suggesting. Not not even suggesting. That's what they're saying. They want us to rise up and take back dominion of America. Take over they, they want a civil war. They want us to rise up and, I mean, they're such patriots of America, but yet they want us to um, commit treason. <laughs> and, you know, I say that kind of lightheartedly, but I'm serious. You know, that's, that's what they're suggesting and what they're saying. But the fact of the matter is, if you are a Christian and you are a kingdom Christian, which we all should be, then you're following the commandments of Jesus Christ and your kingdom has a king already. And just like the example the guy gave about when he was living in China, there was laws in China and he was under the laws in China so he could get away with um, pirating the software or whatever you know he didn't have to worry about copyright but he was an American citizen so he was still under the authority of America he had to obey the laws of America or he could be prosecuted by the American government I promise you if you go to another country to live or even to visit if you commit a crime there, a serious crime, like, you know, whatever that country considers serious, and especially whatever America considers serious, like you kill somebody. If that country doesn't prosecute you, America will prosecute you. And the same thing applies for believers who are, we are sojourners and uh, aliens in a foreign land. We are not of this world. Our kingdom already has a king and we have laws. They are the commands of Jesus Christ. And what the scriptures have commanded us to do. And if we disobey or break the commandments of Christ it doesn't matter if it's okay in the law, if it doesn't break the laws of this world, if it breaks the laws of the kingdom, then it's our king that's going to hold us accountable. And just like something else that America will do, you can even lose your citizenship. You know, that, that, they'll, they'll even kick you out of the country in some cases depending on what your crime is. It's the same in the kingdom of God. You can lose your connection to the true vine. 
you can lose your citizenship. And I know that there's many people that are going to see this that are not going to believe that because they believe once saved, always saved. Well, if you are under the deception of believing once saved, always saved is true, then you are probably, there's no probably about it, you're also going to be deceived by this dominionism because they're both lies and they really go hand in hand. Because if you can't lose your salvation, then you can go and kill, even though we're commanded not to kill. You can justify it because you're doing it for your country or you're doing it in self-defense or whatever. But it's like he said, you know, the, the guy gave the example about if you... If you don't resist, and by the way, we are commanded to resist the devil so that he'll flee from us in temptation. But we're told Jesus commands us not to resist evil. He says, don't resist evil. In other words, don't fight back. If someone strikes you on your left cheek, turn to him the other one as well. That doesn't just apply to a one-on-one -on -one physical confrontation. It also applies to the, the world. We are in a battle against the principalities and powers behind those governments. And the same way Jesus defeated the prince of the power of the air by dying on the cross and practicing what he preached to us. I mean, on the cross, Jesus gave the ultimate example of what he teaches in the Sermon on the Mount. Not just by going to the cross, but by going to the cross while we were his enemies, he died for us. But also, on the cross, he said, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. In our prayer, the model prayer, Jesus tells us to forgive others of their trespasses. Just like our Father forgives us of our sins. After the model prayer, he says if we don't forgive those who have trespassed against us, that God the Father will not forgive our trespasses. You cannot, cannot, cannot make this dominionist theology of taking back the country for the kingdom. You can't justify that and make it go along with what the Word of God says unless you put a man-made interpretation on the Word of God. And you say, well, it really means this. And they absolutely do that. I've heard the, the Clay Clark, Clark side, the Clay Clark guy say that uh, he quotes the scripture that says that 
all dominion and authority. Uh, Jesus has all dominion and authority over this earth. Well, Jesus is God, so um, God, of course, is the ultimate one that has authority. Satan even says this. He says that when he's tempting Jesus, he said that all authority had been given to him. So it had been given to him. He, it wasn't his by right. He didn't own it. That authority had been given to him by God. Um, you know, there are laws that even eternity and God obeys. Like, God cannot lie. God cannot sin. And one of, uh, another one of those laws is the law of free will. Well, in the we Adam, I say we, I mean mankind, man and woman, Adam and Eve, they were given, and that's what these people keep using is the dominion that God gave man in the beginning. They were told to go out and subdue and take dominion over all the earth. Well, that's true. That was before the fall. When they fell, when when the serpent came in and tricked Eve into, by his subtlety, tricked Eve into eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then she gave it to Adam, and they sinned by disobeying God. They fell, and they lost their dominion to this earth. That dominion passed to Satan. We see that in the scriptures. John says that we know that we, believers, are of God. And the whole world, every nation, is under the authority of the evil one. Jesus gives example after example about our about the kingdom of God the the two kingdoms if you do not understand the concept of the two kingdoms and how there are only two kingdoms and they do not merge it's all throughout the scriptures in the new testament in the new covenant almost every epistle says something about it and Jesus talked about the kingdom of God more than he talked about anything else. Way more than he talked about being born again or anything else. The, the gospel, the literal gospel is called the gospel of the kingdom. Once we are born again, the first part in the three phases of salvation is entering into the kingdom of God. And one of the things that these people use is um, like I, like he was the guy was reading the the prophecy in Isaiah uh, about the kingdom of of God and how they would beat their there'd be peace on all of the earth and they would beat their spears and swords into plowshares. Well, that 
prophecy literally was fulfilled when Jesus came the first time because the early Christians didn't just beat their their spears into plowshares but there was something that had been going on since uh, the uh, right about the time of Christ uh, his his first coming it's called the Pax Romana the peace of Rome the known world at that time was under the rule of the Roman Empire if you know the book of Daniel you know the different kingdoms that are that Daniel prophesied and the next to last one last one being the Antichrist kingdom the beast kingdom the final kingdom the one right before that was the Roman Empire right well the Roman Empire had the peace of Rome the Pax Romana literally under Rome the world was there was peace on earth right then literally and it was like when Jesus came on this earth there was literally peace on earth there was no wars going on there was no war going on during that time now that doesn't mean there was never another war but during the Pax Romana there was no war and that is during the time of the early Christians the beginning of Christianity and if and in the kingdom of God there has been peace ever since now I'm not talking about everyone who claims to be the church I'm talking about those who obey the commandments of Jesus Christ we need to literally start to take scripture and interpret it literally the Bible is very clear on those who are in the kingdom of God and it is those who obey the commandments of Jesus Christ if we love him we'll obey his commandments the only way to remain in the kingdom is to abide in the love of Christ abiding in the love of Christ means to continue on in the love of Christ obeying his commandments now I'm gonna read you something before we close we're almost done we've been going for almost two hours because I shared the two videos but I'm gonna read you something about dominionism here it's an article called Hidden in Plain Sight, Dominion Theology, Spiritual Warfare, and Violence in Latin America. Historically, Protestant churches in Latin America regarded the world as a realm of sin and impurity. The proper focus was the church, they believed, was on, I mean, the proper focus of the church, they believed, was on salvation and building a community of the saved. In recent years, this has begun to change as evangelicals have entered the political arena in force. Many are motivated by dominion theology 
a long hidden movement that works to bring a network of conservative Christians to political power in order to affect dominion over the earth to hasten or hurry the kingdom of God. Although its origins are in the United States, this is a global movement hidden in plain sight. By the way, they're wrong about that. Dominion theology didn't originate in the United States. Um, in tomorrow's episode, which won't be a live stream, tomorrow's episode will just be a regular podcast episode on the podcast that's recorded. But we're going to get into and talk about the origin of Dominion theology. This is a global movement hidden in plain sight. The movement has shown strength and drawn notable political allies all across Latin America with notable cases in Central America and Brazil. This remains a minority and much contested movement in Latin American Protestantism, but its advocates are working hard to gain positions of influence. Since the evangelical boom that began in the 1970s, social scientists have long anticipated the emerge of Protestants and Pentecostals in particular as a powerful political and social force for change in Latin America. Absolutely right, Matthew Marcel. It began with Augustine, and we're going to talk about that tomorrow. And I hope that I know you got a lot going on this week, so I, I, I don't know if you'll be able to be on with me tomorrow, but it'd be awesome if you could just do a small part of it with me, like maybe 20 minutes. But we'll talk about that. Okay, I lost my place. Sorry. They have historically regarded the world outside the church as a demonic and dangerous space with which evangelicals should avoid all contact except through evangelization and prayer. In other words, be separate from the world just like the scriptures tell us to and Jesus told us to. However, this is rapidly changing. As evangelical religion becomes more established in Latin America, an increasing number of evangelical, mainly Pentecostal and Neo-Pentecostal churches, have adopted the hermeneutics of political engagement derived from a movement known as Christian Restoration. That sounds a lot like Reawaken America. The international the inter, the international deriv, deriv, derivation derivation however you pronounce that word of which is known as dominion theology dominion theology is a type of political evangel evangelism that works to bring a network of conservative Christians to political power in order to affect dominion over the earth to hasten the kingdom of God. Although there 
and decadence, although there are and decadence dating back to the 1980s, it's only since the first decades of this century that the movement has become widespread across Latin America. The object of this chapter is to shed light on dominionism and its impact in vernacular settings given that it is one of the most influential unrecognized political movements in Latin America today. And it gives an example here, Costa Rica. On Easter Day 2018, Costa Ricans elected a new president, Carlos Alvarado, a member of the ruling party, the PCN. And I'm reading this uh, example because we have, uh, Kingdom Christian Assembly has, we have part, people who are a part of our fellowship in Central America. We have uh, members of our fellowship in Costa Rica. So I am, that's why I'm reading this, this particular example on, from Costa Rica. Unlike most Costa Rican elections, which are usually democratic, fair, and predictable, and a little dull, the nation held its collective breath that year due to predictions that another candidate, a Pentecostal journalist named Fabrico Alvarado Munoz, no relation to Carlos, would win the election. Fabrico was neither a seasoned politician nor a particularly well-known figure in Costa Rica prior to around 2017. However, he and his National Restoration Party, the PNR, suddenly rose to the forefront in early stages of the nation's presidential campaign. Thanks to the candidate's pledge to restore Costa Rica to its pro-life, anti-LGBT, anti-gay marriage, bloistered by traditional family and Costa Rican values. Despite the fact that Costa Rica is, in many respects, a progressive and forward-looking country, certainly by Central American standards, it is also, in the words of one pundit, conservative from the waist down. A recent ruling that legalized gay marriage pushed, pushed many Ticos into the Fabrico Alvarado camp during the first round of presidential elections in February 2018. Fabrico Alvarado ultimately lost the election, but only by a slim margin. Since then, however, Fabrico's notoriety has only increased, and his political future in Costa Rica seems to be assured. The political rise and fall of Alvarado, however, in fact, is indicative of something more than Costa Rican domestic politics. His restoration party is a part of a much larger movement across Latin America and indeed the world beginning in North America that is hidden in plain sight to most observers, though it is clearly legible to the knowing, even boldly advertising in the party's name. This is a so-called quote-unquote Christian movement known as Christian Restoration along with its international derivative, Dominionism. 
in actual terms, dominion theology is not so much a theology per se, so much as it is an ideology and practice for a specific type of conservative Christian political engagement derived from Christian restorationism. Its goal is to adopt a mentality of cultural engagement to bring about political action resulting in nodes of their specific variety of Christian political leadership across all nations. In the lexicon of the movement, advocates seek to transform, redeem, and restore culture, thus bringing dominion to the earth and restoring Christ's kingdom to precipitate his second coming. I hope you guys are discerning what is happening here through hearing what I'm saying. If not, don't worry because I'm going to tell you as soon as I finish reading this. The movement is widespread and, it advocate, and its advocates are often politically influential, although it remains a minority current within the, the stream of evangelical Christianity at large. Many outsiders, including Christian fundamentalists and non-dominionist Pentecostals, mainline Protestants, and Mormons, <laughs> view it with deep suspicion. Man, even the Mormons can see that it's suspicious. These groups find its ideas unbiblical, threatening, and even abhorrent. Some even refer to it as dark Christianity. Even so, dominionist thinking is widespread in Latin America. It has been a factor in an incipient form at least since the early 1980s when in Guatemala church growth specialists declared the genocidal Rios Mont administration to be a prophetic movement when Christians would begin to take dominion over failed secular governments. However, it is in the past 10 years not only in Latin America but in the world at large that it has stepped out more boldly from the shadows across the region and there's um, another it um the next one goes into the roots of Christian restorationism and dominion uh, theology and um, it may if you go through it, it it may even go all the way back to um, where it got its original beginning from with Augustine or Augustine, however you want to pronounce his name. But, you know, this is what those of you with ears to hear and eyes to see should be able to see in this movement. From what I just read you, okay? Um, I just read you how its goal is to bring about political action and, and also remember the, the audio you heard earlier that said what believers were supposed to do. 
But this says its goal is to I just lost my place. Okay. Adopt a culture a mentality of cultural engagement to bring about political action resulting in nodes of their specific variety of Christian political leadership across what? All nations. They want to take dominion over all nations. And then trans, uh, seek to transform, redeem, and restore the culture, thus bringing dominion to the earth and restoring Christ's kingdom to precipitate his second coming. Brother Matthew Marcel and I were talking yesterday, and we were talking about the, the whole Trump MAGA crowd who is... Um, running this it's the same people who are running this uh, movement right now that we're talking about this reawaken America movement that's the same people you know this General Flynn the whole bunch um, even Kim Clement he's no longer alive but his son is taking up his mantle and his son is one of the speakers at the reawaken America tour um, and these guys, just like Trump's uh, political advisor was a big NAR, word of faith, female pastor, evangelist, whatever she considered herself, um, you know, there are many other prophets, you know, all those prophets who prophesied that Trump was going to win the election. Of course, that should have shown everybody that this is far from a movement of God, but it didn't. And they were, they're still making prophecies and they're still being heralded as prophets by so-called believers and followers of Christ all over the country and the world. But this is what's going on. Brother Matthew Marcel said this to me yesterday, and it's the truth. You've got the obvious enemy out here, which is the deep state, the people like Klaus Schwab, the people pushing the jab and the tyranny, right? And then you've got the dominionists who are Christians. These are Christians. And I'm sure that there are people in the movement who generally do believe and love Jesus. But in leadership, this is what's going on. And this is what me and Brother Matthew both see happening. Because of what Scripture says. How Scripture talks about the way the Antichrist comes to power. What I see happening and what Brother Matthew Marcel sees happening. Now, this is not thus saith the Lord. The only thing that's thus saith the Lord on today's program is the fact that everything these people are pushing is fueled by the spirit of Antichrist. We are to obey the commandments of Jesus Christ and what they are 
telling us to do and saying Christians are supposed to do go completely against the commandments of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you heard yesterday's episode or heard the sermon from Sunday, but the man in that in the video I played both times said that pastors he said there is a special place in hell for Christ, for so-called Christian pastors who refuse to preach politics in the pulpit special place in hell for us because that's me now that is the type of strong language that the speakers at Clay Clark's Reawaken America tour that's the boldness in which they speak if we as true followers of Christ would be just as bold about spreading the gospel and forgiving our enemies and loving our enemies and obeying and following the commandments of Christ, then we could affect true change in the only place that we were commanded to, which is in the lives of the people of this world. Because that's the kingdom of God is people. It, it's not the governments of this world. Until the fullness of the kingdom comes down and Jesus has completely opened the scroll, broken all seven of its seals, and taken back the title deed of this earth, then the governments of this world are under the authority of Satan, of Lucifer, of the evil one. And these people who are obviously wicked, like Schwab and the uh, Rothschilds and all of these New World Order leaders, people like Rockefeller and, you know, your, your obvious bad guys. What Brother Matthew and I see happening is these dominionist Christians, this group of MAGAs, the Trump supporters type people. I don't. I, I, I'm not singling out Trump, although I don't think Trump's finished playing his part. He's got a Trump. If anybody's got a Trump card up his sleeve, it's Trump. But you know that's that's something for another day. But what Brother Matthew and I see is them actually doing what they are trying to do, which is overthrowing the, the what we believe is the New World Order. Because, you see, there's the, the actual New World Order of the Antichrist, the One World Government, and the one, or the, excuse me, the one world order of the beast that we see in Revelation is twofold. It's political and it's uh, also religion. It's, it's a religious beast system and a political beast system. Well, that is exactly what these people want. 
the guys uh, yesterday and Sunday said there is no separation of church and state. And that's exactly what happened with Constantine. Ever since then, the beast system was formed with the, the Roman Catholic Church. That's how it started. And Augustine was a uh, one of the first really Catholic saints, quote-unquote, he was, um, you know, one of the church leaders during the, after Constantine, during the beginning of the Roman Catholic Church. And that's when the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world merged. And the line between church and state, as they call it, went away and it came together and formed Mystery Babylon's foundation. Christianity's foundation is Jesus Christ. Mystery Babylon's foundation is what happened right there with the merging of the two kingdoms and the formation of the Roman Catholic Church. Now, we are starting to see its fulfillment today because these people are not one denomination. They're not one group. They're made up of evangelicals, Pentecostals, non-denominationals, charismatics, NAR, ecumenicals and listen friends the ecumenical movement they're the ones who got the uh, one world religion temple open in the UAE um, you know they, this thing is a political and a religious system and the antichrist comes in peacefully he comes in after this whole order is restored out of chaos we've got the chaos being created right now if you look at world events you've got Iran and Israel the conflict brewing and about to go on right there you've got Iran and their nuclear deal that uh is not, first Obama signed the nuclear deal, then Trump did away with the nuclear deal. Now Biden has brought the nuclear deal back to Iran, and it is there is something the thing that's brewing in it between Israel and Iran is a lot more significant and something that we should watch it's a lot more prophetically significant than the Russia um, Ukraine crisis is going on although what's going on in Russia and Ukraine is something for us to watch it's not we shouldn't watch it for the reasons that the mainstream media and even much of the alternative Christian media says about it because 
the true reason for it is not what you are being told. It's all one agenda, and that is to bring about the one world order of the beast. And remember, that is a religious order and a political order. And he's going to rise to power after, this is my opinion, he's going to rise to power after and possibly even through this whole dominionism and dominionist group has overthrown the evil NWO deep state after they have drained the swamp and there, listen that's one thing that's being said there are people who are saying right now and I'm not saying this is happening because I don't know but there are people that's saying that what's going on in the Ukraine right now that that is uh, Trump and Putin draining the swamp over there getting rid of the deep state getting rid of the NWO they're kicking the NWO out of Ukraine now I, I don't necessarily believe that but I will say it would make sense if this whole dominionism group is going to take over and overthrow the current world order because we there's two current world orders there's the one that everybody sees the actual governments that in my opinion are just proxy puppet governments and in America that's not just my opinion that's the way it is and then there is the current world order that's behind them being controlled by the principalities and powers like the prince of the power of the air and we know that the government behind them that we can't see the hidden government is what people call the NWO or the Illuminati or you know take your pick fill in the blank so that's the current world order you can't call the Illuminati and the NWO whatever you want to call them the deep state you can't call them the new world order at least not the new world order of the beast the antichrist because it's not they're trying we think that they're trying to usher in the new world order with this great reset and i think there is an agenda here to usher in the the great reset but i think that the agenda to usher in this great reset that the people in the NWO are trying to do and the agenda that these dominionists have of trying to take dominion over all the earth and overthrow these guys even though they're at odds and they truly believe they're at odds Ephesians 2 gives us the absolute truth of what's really going on Satan is using two of his pawns on the cosmic chessboard in his chess match against our creator our father he's moving two pieces at the same time 
And although the Dominionist crowd may not realize that they're a chess piece that's ultimately bringing about the same thing as or going to bring about the same thing as the Illuminati NWO crowd, the deep state crowd, the elites, it will. Satan, uh, listen, there, it, he is brilliant. He, he's got a backup plan. Both of the, it, it, he wins no matter, and when I say wins, I don't mean he wins the war because the what that's already happened jesus won the war on the cross it's just the sentence of his defeat has not been carried out yet he still has time that he can roam and pillage the earth raid and pillage and do all the things that Satan does and he still believes I I really believe that he still believes he has a chance and if he doesn't believe that then he's sure acting and playing the part of someone who does but both of these groups no matter which one comes to power they're and wins and subdues. See, they both want to subdue the whole world. That's how you know that they are the people that are being described. They're both the people from Ephesians 2. You know, uh, the sons of disobedience who the prince of the power of the air is working through. Both of these groups are those children of disobedience because the Dominionist Christians are disobedient in their lives. They have made subduing this earth and taking over politically their agenda and their goal when what they were commissioned to do as followers of Christ is to go out and make disciples of all nations and spread the gospel as a witness. That's when Jesus said he would return. He didn't say, I'll return when you take over dominion of all the world. No, he said when the gospel has been spread to every nation, then he would return. So, you know... These guys, both crowds, the the Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab's and <laughs> the Rothschilds of this world, you know, the Maria Abramoviches of this world, those are just your obvious Satanists. The ones who are obviously trying to bring about the the government of the beast. The other crowd want to take over the entire world, too. You know, they don't just want to take over America. They want to take dominion of the whole world, not just America. That's the way you see this for what it is. So, friends, 
I thank you so much for joining me today and I hope that you will join us tomorrow or listen in tomorrow there won't be a live stream to join on but I hope that you'll listen tomorrow to part three in this series on the Antichrist spirit that is inside and fueling the reawaken America and dominionism as a whole, the whole movement. We're going to be doing part three tomorrow on Return of the Historic Faith. And if you haven't already listened to part one, go to your favorite podcatcher and type in Return of the Historic Faith if you're not a, a, a normal listener and you aren't already subscribed here on YouTube to the church's channel, Kingdom Christian Assembly, please subscribe so that you can uh, see the church services from each Sunday morning and Sunday evening, and you can also see these live streams and also the recorded videos and podcast episodes that we upload of Return of the Historic Faith. So tomorrow we're doing part three and we'll do as many parts in this series as need to be done to get the truth of this out. Tomorrow we are going to be looking at the myth of Christian America and the myth of a Christian nation at all, but especially Christian America because that is what these guys are preaching is that we were founded on all of these godly rights and principles. Well, we're going to go through the beginning of this country using Brother David Berceau's book, In God We Don't Trust. All right, brothers and sisters, for... The Next Chapter Radio Network and Kingdom Productions, I am Pastor Jeremy Anderson saying until next time, God bless you all. I love you. Grace and peace.